Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a beautiful Key Largo. Uh, it's a beautiful day today. Maybe I won't. I can insert a little video of what it was like so far. It's already, looking at the time, it's around 9.30. And the I've, I've already been to the gym and back and spoke to my father and made plans with the wife and all this. Monday's my day off, so there's do it here. But if you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender Show and you say, who's this um, knucklehead? Or I, I was going to say, I do put explicit language in here, so if it pops up, I don't have to really do anything about it. But uh, the Keys Bartender Show is about bartending, Keys life, and everything in between. So... Uh, you got that, the highlight on that. And so if you're interested in those things, I'm your show. Uh, this show we're going to be talking about, we're going to continue a series called The 12 Drinks of Christmas. And today we're on the fifth drink, and I'm just going to call it the hot chocolate. Because it starts out as a hot chocolate, and you can go anywhere you want with it. And I'll probably go right into it and not save it at the end. We're also going to be talking about tipping and the movie Waiting. So, I'll start out with the hot chocolate. If you recall from, if you listened to a previous episode, we talked about mulled wine or hot wine, Vasho. And if you listened carefully, you'll know this, and you should, some of you chemistry majors may realize this, at 160 degrees, alcohol starts to boil off. So, when you're using any hot drink, you put a liquor in, you want to tendency not to introduce alcohol too early or into too hot a liquid if you don't want the alcohol to burn, if you want, don't want to lose that intoxicating effect. Uh, I like to lose the intoxicating effect for myself because I, I don't drink. I had a problem drinking. That's the reason why. I'll go over that some episode in the future. But with hot chocolate, there's so many things you can do with it. There's so many liqueurs you can put in. You put an amaretto. You do a, a chocolate liqueur, Frangelico, Bailey's. You can make it a berry one if you want. You put a berry brandy. Brandies are really good in hot ch chocolate. Vodka is good. I would stay along with either flavors that are complementary to hot chocolate or neutral spirits like vodka or rum. Whiskey has a little too much bite to it. You might still like it still, but you, you know vodka goes with cream because you have a white Russian, you have Kahlua, vodka, and cream. So, And when I make my hot chocolate, I, I like to use milk and the chocolate syrup. Some people are fans of the cocoa powder. Other people do the instant. Uh, they're all okay. They're all okay. So if you're doing it for taste, I would suggest you to do the milk, cocoa powder, or the co uh, milk syrup and heating it. to You can heat it up to a little more than 160 degrees, obviously, if you want to come up. But you should let it cool down a little before you introduce the alcohol. And it makes a great drink. You put a little dollop of whipped cream on it, and there you go. You got your great drink. You say, listen, I got hot chocolate. Now, be careful. You got to be careful with drinks like that that kids like, too, because you don't you don't want to prepare a big thing, a hot chocolate, in a, let's say, one of those, uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank, uh, stew pots. 
you know, you don't want to do that because, you know, if you have a lot of kids around and stuff like that, they just see the hot chocolate. You should start out. I'm a big believer unless there's no children around to make sure that you have your options. Obviously, adults can be on the lookout, whether there's booze in their drinks or not. I'm always on the lookout. So I wanted to talk about tipping. We're in the holiday season. We're also running into a kind of, kind of rough patch with the economy. And when we run into like a recession and people aren't doing so hot financially, discretionary spending takes a hit. And discretionary spending is eating out. And it's also the things that you don't have to pay for. And a lot of times tipping is an afterthought. And people have... I guess with you, we're seeing more people talk about tipping recently because of food delivery apps and Uber and Lyft drivers and things like that, where people are, uh, there's so many new ways to earn money in the gig economy that before it was just the traditional people that you would end up having the tip. And that would be the servers, that would be bartenders, that would be piano players valets, bellhops, bell people, I guess you call them. Um, there's so many other people that you can tip. Now, the restaurant industry was originally, at least in the United States, was set up as a tip to ensure prompt service. Okay, that's kind of like the acronym people use for tips but it's an old thing it comes from it's an english custom you know when you have a british lord and he asks one of the peasants he goes why don't you take care of the horses and shoe them for me and he throws him an innocuous bag of silver coins or something like that and he says and the person says yes thank you without even looking in the bag because you know whatever they get is fine and things like that but it developed in in the United States and around the world, but tipping uh, servers and bartenders. And it became an essential part of their income because servers and bartenders don't necessarily make minimum wage. Some states are requiring that now. And some restaurants have been providing a living wage to their servers and bartenders. Uh, but that's a policy they established. For generally, if you're in a non, in your full service restaurant, you're going to be paid a reduced, you're going to be paid less than the required minimum wage. And the difference is made up by tips. And on a meal, it's normally 15% or up. And people feel there was a famous scene, and we're talking about movies because we're talking, we're going to be talking about the movie Waiting. But there's a famous scene from the movie Reservoir Dogs and Steve Buscemi uh, is sitting at a breakfast table with a group of guys. I won't go over through the, the whole movie, but it's guys that are going to be involved with a heist. And they're planning the heist and they're having breakfast. And at the end of the breakfast, the main guy who's planning the heist says, I'll pay for the meal. So you guys just throw in money for the tip. And Steve Buscemi refuses to tip and he says he doesn't tip and his idea behind it is to say listen this is your choice to be here 
It's not my fault that the restaurant owner doesn't pay you. I understand that. And a lot of people have a lot of people have that view. You'd be surprised how many people have that view. I mean, Europeans are used to, I'm not picking on Europeans, but they're used to have the either the tip is included or the people are paid a livable wage. So they're they're more practiced at or experiencing that they don't have to tip. But in the United States, it's it's kind of like an unwritten agreement when you go out to eat that you're going to tip the people. And there's some people that say, listen, the owner should pay. I understand that. But would you be willing to take a 25%? Like down here, where our prices are a little higher in the Keys, the cost of living is higher. So it's already pricey. Throw another 25% on there and see how that is. The nice thing about it, when people are paid more money uh, for uh, working at a restaurant, is usually you get better service and a more steady workforce. When I say steady workforce, people are more likely to be getting health care, a livable wage. And when they're being paid by the hour, they're more likely to work as a teammate, a a team player. When you're working for your tips, you're concerned more about your clients, your patrons, the people you're serving. Because how they feel about you is going to directly be reflected in the size of tipping. Now, uh, Steve Buscemi said, you know, I don't need to tip. You don't need a tip. No, you don't. No one's required to tip. But it's one of those things. It's one of those things if you're caught not tipping. People remember that. They remember that. And it's kind of, it's disingenuous. And people were doing this more often than not with a lot of the food delivery people now. We have food delivery, not just uh, Uber Eats, but people that do this shopping runs for people, grocery store runs. And what they do is they put a, uh, it's a lure, I guess they call it. They propose that they're going to tip like 10% on something or 15% on the shopping. And they can actually remove the tip once the job is accepted and start collecting on it and people can end up getting stiffed. So that that's the disingenuous part. Uh, Uber, Uber's nice and Lyft is nice because they're able to rate the rides and people have been doing it and not leaving decent tips. The, the Uber driver is able to rate the ride. So you can see when a ride comes up and you see someone comes up and they say there could be a five, I think it goes up to five stars. You can end up having like a one star, a one to five. And people say, well, there's got to be a reason. And they'll know it's either bad behavior or tipping. I think they actually can put a descriptor in that this person never tips. And I think it's appropriate. If that's the agreement that Uber and Lyft has, unless they choose to give people more money for the rides, the drivers for that, that, and they put the honest on the, the rider to make the job more palatable or more worthwhile, then yeah, you have to do same thing goes for servers. You know, if you were, if you were just living off the sub minimum wage, well, you couldn't live off the sub minimum wage. 
tips. I mean, subminimum wage with no tips. Just no way. You'd be walking out of a place at the end of the day with $20 after working eight hours. So it's, it's essential that there's a balance made. And it's this piecemeal approach where some restaurants are deciding we're going to pay a living wage. We're going to provide them with uh, health care. It's great. It's great. But it really does nothing for the people that are still working in traditional industry where they do depend on their tips. And where people are deciding to re-task uh, their money, re-task their money. Say, well, I'm going to take my tip money and I'm going to put it towards, you know, this. I'm not going to be tipping as much before. So effectively, you have people being paid less. Moving on to the movie Waiting. Now, this is my feeling with it. In the movie Waiting, it's a movie with Justin Long and Ryan uh, Reynolds. And it takes place at a chain restaurant, kind of like uh, TGI Fridays or Bennigan's. I don't know if they have Bennigan's anymore, but... or. Uh, God, well, you know what I'm talking about right there. So these people, they're waiters and they're working in place and they're talking about uh, all these different things. People uh, not tipping well and people behaving badly because of a bad tip. Now, if I don't get a tip, you're still getting your food. You're still getting your, your drink. You know, and I'm not going to touch your food. But this movie movie waiting made it sound like if you're a mean-spirited person that they were going to taint your food, taint your drink. It's just disgusting. And it, it is, there's a little rings true in the movie. A lot of it rings true in the movie, but it's maybe the feelings like you're waiting. It's your kitchen closes at 10 o'clock. It's two minutes of 10 and someone walks through the door. There's no one in the restaurant at the time, but you get the two people. And they'll look around and say, oh, is there no one here? And they still sit down and take as long as they want. Now, I understand if the policy is you arrive before 10, that you can sit down and enjoy your meal and things like that. But come on, in all realities, you're keeping everyone there. In the, in the movie, they do some horrible things to their food. They do some horrible things. And I don't know what they do in other restaurants. I know in my restaurant, that doesn't happen. The people get served. They go there. They may not They may not get visited upon a lot at the end. They're just people are just waiting for them to leave at that point. And people are surprised. They go like this. What's this open? Why, why, why are you so eager to leave? And say, well... You know, we do close. We closed, five, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 minutes ago. And this is where it comes in and says, listen, don't worry. I'm going to leave a big tip. Almost 90% of the time when someone says they're going to leave a big tip, they are not going to leave a big tip. They're going to um, probably leave a sub, sub 15% tip. And it's interesting how people can't figure out percentages. I was talking to people about uh, math. Math is something you use every day. You learn it in school and numbers are just out there. You may not be spelling every day. You may not have a spelling contest, but you can always 
there are always opportunities to do math. It's like when you're driving down the street, you say, oh, uh, today the uh, ga- gallon of gas is $3.13, and now it's 2000 uh, $2.95, $2.95, or exchange rates, or things like that. It just shows up all the time. I was explaining to my father that this is how currency uh, trading works when you have exchange rates, uh, rates fluctuating because of good financial reports and things like that, uh, that you should be able to figure out 10%. 10% of $100, you just move the decimal point to the left, one, and that's $10. Now, 15% is 10% and half of that. So if it was $10, 15% would be $15 because it'd be half of 10%, half of $10 is five. Five and 10 is 15. Easy. Now I look at it. if it's $100, it's $15. If it's half of that, it's $50, If you want to pay someone 20%, it's one-fifth. How do you not know if you're you're cutting a pizza and there's going to be eight slices, you know, to cut it in half and cut it again into quarters and eight slices, you would go one more slice down those four slices. So it would be two more slices across um, four slices. And then you have eight. We do math all the time. So if you can say, I can't figure this out because it's an odd number. I mean, you can speculate. You can speculate and round, round off. So it's $75, 15% of $75. Well, 10% is $7.50 and half of $7.50 is $3.75. Plus that, it comes out to eleven twenty-five. It's the way I view it. I always, and you work with numbers. If you work with numbers enough, you our our sales tax down here is a seven and seven and a half percent, seven and a half percent. And people ask, "Is this the tip?" And I go, "No, this is tax." Well, seven percent in Florida and seven and a half. Yeah, half. It's a nickel more on. A hundred dollars, a half a percent, not a nickel more, 50 cents more on a hundred dollars, right? Or a nickel more in $10. So easy math. Who would have thought that, you know? So I, uh, yesterday I spoke about the, what were we talking about? We were talking about holiday party etiquette this Friday. I have my uh, hospital job. I work at a wellness center. I'm a spin instructor. And we have it at a really nice club up here, a club. It's a catering facility attached to a restaurant. It used to be the Marriott. But it's right on the, it's right on the bay. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful setting for it where you, you, know, you have dinner, dancing, a nice buffet and everyone from the hospital there. And several years ago, I was at the party and I'm talking to several people online and they had prime rib. I'm just relaxed. I'm standing there with my plate 
And the person that's carving the prime rib says, what would you like? And I looked at him and I said, oh, just give me whatever, you know, you're, you're having a hard time getting rid of. Just cut me off that. And I said, I'll be fine. And I'm holding my plate and someone's talking to me to my left. And all of a sudden I got a plop on my plate. My plate almost falls over. And I look down and there's this size of a, um, almost of a, a half a human head. That's the only way to describe it. It was a, a, a prime rib cut. It was an end cut. And I'm standing there looking at it. I'm looking at the guy and I go, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I would do that and take that as a challenge. You know, when someone said, yeah, I can eat that. I knew at that point that I was going to have a very difficult time finishing that. And, but it was on my plate. And there is the tricky part. I had it on my plate. I couldn't put it back. It was a buffet. I can't say, take that back. You know, I didn't touch the plate. The plate was still clean or whatever, stuff like that. But I always, whenever the food's placed on my plate, I know it's there and I got to eat it. So I took it back to the table and I'm sitting there with the wife and everyone's looking at me with this. It, it appeared to be about, it appeared to be about three pound piece of meat. And that is big for me. That is very big. I know some of you may be championship eaters and things like that, but. I, 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 I fancied myself a big eater, but not 48 ounces of, of, of beef. So I laid into that prime rib for the next hour because what was I going to do? Leave it on my plate? And I, I was trying to explain. I told everyone the story. I'm trying to say, listen, I didn't ask for something that big. I'm not like that. I, why would I ask? I'm a grown up. If I was a kid, yeah, you know, kids always order too much, you know, and they want the biggest one and you barely can finish it. So I'm working on it for an hour. And after that, I've had people make comments to me and said, oh, no wonder you're a spin instructor. Look at what you're, look at what you're eating. I said, that is not a way to put, you know, three pounds of meat in your belly is not a recipe for a fun Saturday night. So be wary. Be wary at the Christmas parties how much you put on. I talked about at uh, that Thanksgiving meal that I was challenged to go up the third time. And I went up the third time, realized after I ate that plate of food that it was not the right idea. Just because I could eat more doesn't mean I should eat more. And I'm not going on. A, this is not my Jim Horan fat shaming tour 2022. I'm just saying there's a certain comfort level you have with the amount of mass of food that's in your belly. And that is too much. So I'm going to leave it at that. This is uh, the Keys Bartender. Oh, wait, I finished up with the tipping stuff like that. This is the Keys Bartender podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'm sorry, I noticed my head's cut off on this side. You know, I got a little, I think it's the brightness on the light. That, no, here. No, here. Wow, I'm pointing it there, here. This the brightness of the light ring. I'm going to try to master that a little better. I do appreciate you listening and I'll be back and uh, we'll be coming back with the sixth strength of Christmas. I think I'm going to make it with that. I'm not exactly sure. I didn't think I was going to make it. Now I'm going to think I'm going to make it. I got to think about the next 
Frank worked really good. I'll talk to you later. Bye. And recording.